Hey everybody, and welcome back to the Rough Draft Podcast Show. For episode two, we're keeping this revolving door of co-hosts going, and today we have the York Review's copy editor on board with us, Kendra Jones. Are you excited to be with us? Yeah! Great! One, two, three, We've got four. a lot packed into this episode, including our second Community Spotlight interview with Ivy Rogers, a fine artist on campus, so make sure you stick around for that. Here we go! First off, I'd like to share a little bit about our weekend out there getting involved in the York community. We had a successful first Friday. Kendra, thank you for helping set up and get the party started. What, what are your feelings on how first Friday setup looked? It looked great, and from all the Instagram and social media photos that you guys posted, um, it seemed like a lot of people came over to the table and checked out the magazine. Most certainly. We had, we had a lot of people stop by. You know, we had a bunch of children there making art. Uh, some other people stopped in, checked last year's uh, literary magazine out. President Gunther Smith stopped by. Dean Della Carpini gave us two thumbs up. And, you know, I think we had a really good time out there. I'm, I'm looking forward to the next one. Um, but if that wasn't enough, the next day sort of proved it to be a successful weekend for us out there in the community. Austin and Travis and I, we were out there for Spartan Service Day. And we were in charge of reconstructing Royal Square Garden, where we worked very hard in the name of the York Review. Um, I'd, I'd, say, I'd say it was a lot of fun. Could you tell me a little bit uh, about the Spartan newspaper? Um, I think a lot of people on campus sort of mesh the York Review and the Spartan newspaper together, they sort of think it's kind of like the same thing, but they're two very separate entities. Could you sort of just explain to me what, what is the Spartan newspaper? The Spartan newspaper has been around for a while. Um, the year before last year, it went through a two-year hiatus, and last year uh, we had someone pick it back up again. Mm -hmm. And then this year I'm taking over as editor-in-chief, and we're hoping to get an issue out uh, about at least once a month. I see. And we also want to expand our digital platform mm -hmm. um, because before we weren't really posting every day on our website. Right. And we want to make sure we're posting every day, getting stories out there. We're trying to cover as many sports stories as possible as they happen since they almost happen on a daily basis. Right. And we're also trying to incorporate the community into stories uh, more so mm -hmm. instead of just focusing on things happening around the campus. That's that's really awesome. That's a lot. It's a lot to, to handle. What kind of content do you think we can expect from the Spartan newspaper this year? Um, we're changing it up a bit. We're adding a lot more content to try to get a larger variety of students involved in submitting content for the Spartan newspaper. Mm -hmm. We're doing the opinion section, news, features, and we're also making um, a larger political section, especially with this election coming up this year. Yeah, certainly. Um, we're looking to actually have a separate uh, mini edition come out the day after the election or so. Oh, I see. And we're also looking to have artwork included in the newspaper, whether it make it to the print edition or uh, mostly online. That's really neat, actually. So who, uh, if you don't mind me asking, who can like write for the Spartan newspaper? Who, who's able to submit work for that? Um, anyone on campus can submit uh, any kind of writing or artwork or anything to the Spartan. Also, 
we're looking for work from alumni um, if they have any opinion pieces or any submissions with features to submit and also um, any professors also can submit anything. I see. So you're really you're really expanding that platform for uh, people in the York community to jump on. Yeah, we I, definitely want to get the community more involved and certainly. know about our paper. Yeah, and I, I think that's that's really important uh, just as us as just college students to do that. Uh, it makes your college look great um, and it really builds our resumes, you know. I think it's really cool that we just have people um, like yourself on board to help us do these sorts of things. I mean, you're you're very you're just a jack of all trades here uh, among many of our team members with the York Review. You're a published poet. Uh, you're performing at the Belmont Theater this November. You're an experienced journalist, and this season, of course, uh, copy editor of the York Review. Can you tell me how poor copy editing can kind of ruin a publication's credibility? I mean, they can have the best stuff in the world, the best writers, but I mean, if they don't have a copy editor who is on point, like what, what can that do? Um, that really tears down the credibility of the publication, whether it's a literary magazine or a newspaper, and just any, any writing piece in general, because even if you're not a writing major or someone that's really into grammar, you're going to be able to pick out mm -hmm. when a word is used improperly, right. um, or when there's run-on sentences or just sentence mm -hmm. fragments. Yeah, and just the overall tone of just writing. I mean, I think it's kind of natural any reader is going to pick up on that. And if it's not matching, uh, I mean, the, the brand and just the, the ethos that they're trying to carry, it, it makes it difficult um, for them to sort of connect with the things that you're publishing. Yeah, definitely. Uh, and all this knowledge, I think, seems to give you certainly an, an advantage as an artist I mean, you understand what publishable material looks like. Uh, I mean, again, you've, you've done a lot with journalistic and creative writing. Um, how do you think your experiences uh, with uh, working behind the scenes with these publications helps you become just a more publishable artist yourself? I guess just having the um, like more experience of editing and writing in a more professional environment right. has made me really think about um, like the rhetoric that people use for like specific audiences and mm -hmm. how to use that effectively. Right. And just overall, like I think polishing your work yeah. uh, is like the hardest thing to do. Yeah. Because um, I mean, especially with writing and stuff, it's always just unfinished. Yeah. like. It taught me that like editing is really the most important part of writing. Right. I, I understand you're also involved in other forms of art. Um, we spoke recently about a musical that you're involved in coming up. Uh, could you tell me a little bit more about that and how that kind of relates to all the things that you're doing with these, with the Spartan newspaper and the York Review? Um, yeah, so... I'm in a Chitty Chitty Bang Bang musical at the Belmont Theater, formerly known as the York Little Theater. Um, it's in downtown York, and so that's kept me busy. Mm -hmm. um, the shows are November 18th to the 20th, and the 25th to the 27th. Um, I'm a technical dancer in the musical, which 
is also part of the ensemble, so we're kind of like the background characters that are dancing through uh, most of the songs. That's pretty cool. Um, do you think you'll continue doing sort of things like that? Would you like to continue performing in musicals, uh, being part of dance routines, and so on and so forth? Yeah, um, I've done ballet for like 16, 17 years mm -hmm. since I was really little. So I would definitely love to keep doing uh, dancing in musicals. Um, this is actually only my second musical, though, that I've danced in. Mm -hmm. So it's definitely a new experience, but I love it. Right. And I mean, we've, we've mentioned how busy we all are. But uh, even as you, as you grow older and you know, find a job doing something else, uh, you'll still be interested in those sorts of things, I take it. Yeah, definitely. It definitely has just like a sort of aesthetic value to yeah. it. Um, and I think at the York Review, you know, we're not just literature snobs. We we love to embrace, you know, especially the performing arts, but overall any art form. Uh, I mean, it's it's all about coming to life and doing what you love. Uh, we want to demonstrate the variety of expression that York's creative community engages in. Um, you know, and I think I think we're really doing that just from all the multifaceted sort of projects that we're trying to get involved with uh, maybe maybe you could say we're even like building a legacy you, you know what i mean yeah that's yeah. true <laughs> i mean like it sounds kind of kind of lame and pretentious maybe but i think you know we're doing things now that we hope to carry on throughout the years um you know the podcast is improving our online space it looks so much better uh and I think it's just, it's a much more interactive sort of space for our readers and for our writers. Up next, we do have our second Community Spotlight interview featuring Ivy Rogers, uh, a fine art student here at York College. We talk with her about fine art, about comics, uh, some creative expression, publication, and much more. It's just so much fun. You're gonna have to stick around and listen to this. So check it out. your artistic coming of age you know where where did it begin who did you first start making art with um I think that mostly it started when I was like really young like you know the cliche of like I've been drawing since I could hold a crayon or whatever right. like that mm -hmm. it was kind of along the lines of that because my parents would just roll out big like sheets of paper mm -hmm. and I would just like draw and paint on them and we'd like paste them to the wall that's cool and it just kind of like continued through mm -hmm. elementary school and middle school and it was just something I knew like that I wanted to do for real yes yeah. it's sort of neat how just I don't know even just child's art when you get it to to a point where it feels like collective it just it sort of represents yeah. something no matter I don't know no matter like the artistic talent that was like put into it I mean we're all sort of starting somewhere yeah definitely. Um, how do you think your parents were trying to um, inspire you through that? How do you think that changed who you were growing up? Um, you think it definitely developed just sort of the artistic eye for you? Yeah, I think it was more like they just kind of like let me do what I wanted. Right. Because like I'm an only child mm -hmm. and they just kind of like let me go. Yeah. And I think they realized that 
I really loved it mm-hmm. and that it was something that I really cared about, so they cared about it too. Definitely. So I think they just kind of, they like take me to museums and mm-hmm. different things like that. And I think that it just really helped me, especially like growing as an artist, for mm-hmm. them to be like 100% like percent supportive definitely. of me. And I think that's like, I'm really thankful yeah, for that. Yeah, it's definitely nurturing just the artistic yeah. side of, of people. I think, I think a lot of people should do that more often. I do it with all my friends. Yeah, I think so too. Yeah. I was like, that's so good. Yeah, Even think, though, you know, if it's not the greatest, I'm like, keep going, just right. make more Yeah, creative stuff. expression, I think, is just like, keeps us toward that humanistic thinking that just like, I don't know, grounds us with like real life, yeah. real life stuff. Who are your primary influences uh, when just working with art? Um, I really like Marc Chagall. Mm-hmm. He was an amazing painter, and mm-hmm. just like his use of like emotion and you know just like textures within the paint that he used. Yeah. And um, I mean Van Gogh with just his colors and everything is just like so amazing. Yeah, that's so incredible. Um, I really like Albert Durer lately because I mean he would be like 600 years old but his stuff is so classic Mm -hmm. i saw um one like an entire exhibition of his work in dc a couple years ago and i like fell in love because like his really really intricate tiny little woodcut prints are so incredible and i wish i could be that masterful right and it just kind of keeps me going i think just seeing other people working hard Mm -hmm. Or, like, just seeing the proof of what that person was, mm-hmm. I think, is really interesting Definitely. through their art. So, like, woodcut prints. Uh, I know, I mean, I've never done too much work with it, but I know that it takes sort of a lot of restraint. Um, there's only so much you can do yes. within that medium. Uh, could you maybe tell me a little bit more about that and how yeah. that influences the way you make art? Um, I am doing an independent study with Matthew Clay Robinson, the gallery director mm-hmm. this semester on woodcuts and we're kind of tying in social justice and possible street art themes. That's cool. And I think within subject matter you have to be restrained a little bit, but mm-hmm. then also the physical art making mm-hmm. of it, you have to choose, you know, the wood, the tools, you have to keep your tools sharp. Hmm. And then there's you make the lines and the problem I have is I overcut I see. into the lines because right. I'm still practicing. Uh-huh. There's and a certain depth you need in there yeah. to make a good print. Yeah, I think so. It's just, it's really tough mm-hmm. to do. Definitely. And I think people um, don't realize how hard it is, mm-hmm. I think, to make woodcuts. Right. So and how does that compare to lino cut? Isn't that on just a different... Uh, yes. Um, lino cuts are just material. on linoleum, which right, it's right. like compared to pine, mm-hmm. like wood, it's linoleum's like butter, basically. I see. So does that make it easier it sort makes of do it easier. The, the stencil cut sort of painting. Sort yes. Of, does it? To cut, it's a lot easier, but then you don't get that texture of the wood I because see. there's certain ways you right, can like right, right. rub the grain I see. and so it that's... comes up and shows through. So it's like I you see. either have to choose how clean you want it to mm-hmm. look, how fast you want mm-hmm. it to go. Maybe you want a certain grain. Yeah. So that's why the, the decision of the wood kind of makes a difference. Yeah, it's. It's all a big yeah, science. Definitely. <laughs> what what other mediums do you work with? Uh, and that, that one's definitely one of the, I guess, um, just more unique. I think sort of 
fields of art because it definitely yeah you don't see it as often mm -hmm. i think now especially because we have you know people screen print now mm -hmm. a lot and maybe people just feel like it's limited or something but i think that's yeah. sort of what makes it a very and I think a it very takes, interesting sort of expression yeah it definitely takes more time mm -hmm. and i know now in like the world that we're living in i feel like fast-paced is like the thing the like especially with computers right it's definitely becoming a part of our culture yeah but i like painting mm-hmm uh, painting, I think, is my primary study, mm -hmm. focus of study that I'm working on. Right, because um, you can use that across the board. Yeah, you can, like, interchange mediums within it. Mm -hmm. You can paint on, like, anything, and you can draw in your paintings, and you can right. paint your drawings. Right. It's like, you can do anything with it. I think painting is, like, limitless mm -hmm. in that way. Yes, certainly. What are your feelings toward the way comics are treated in the art world? I mean, I know some people may see it as sort of, sort of lowbrow art. Um, me and you maybe see it more as just sort of an underappreciated genius that like, yeah. uh, it's just, it has characteristics of fine art that we just, uh, maybe the rest of the artistic community doesn't recognize. Yeah, I think so. I think people are sometimes too quick to judge mm -hmm. because they think it's all, you know, like superheroes with tights right. and, you know, that it's just people copying yeah. the same thing over and over, right. printing it, coloring mm -hmm. it, that type of thing. But I think with like masterworks, um, like I really like Anders Nilsson. Mm -hmm. He's this really amazing um, graphic novelist and he has this huge 700 page book called Big Questions. It's at the YCP library, go, it's at <laughs> Schmidt Library. Um, they're it's so huge and so detailed and yeah. it's ridiculous it just looks like every page is just it's, individually yes. drawn and there's such detail it's like you could like some people make prints mm -hmm. and they draw them in ink and right. they frame them and they sell them for 200 dollars. right meanwhile there's a 700 pages of prints mm -hmm. that this person spent long like a long time on yeah and, and it's a combination of Yes. arts and literature and storyline and plot and all yeah, these things it's together. everything mashed together because I love to read and mm -hmm. I love writing mm -hmm. and then when you add art into it right. it's just like just the, aesthetic, the best thing <laughs> the aesthetic complements it so much yeah uh, I know you work with a lot of fine art and you do read a lot of graphic literature yeah. um, maybe you would like to uh, merge the two at one point in your own career mm -hmm. um, but what what similarities do you think uh, are most significant between those two um, I think that seeing um, graphic lit and being a part of the art world as well as like viewing art within the world, I think that if you just take out all of the literature, it could seriously still be mm -hmm. a book Definitely. that you can read visually because right. I mean everyone visually reads things right. like paintings, sculptures, mm -hmm. you take something from it, some sort yeah, of storyline. You something. have to pull from it just like you pull like actual right. words. So you have to interpret more. Mm -hmm. And I think that adding words aids, definitely aids in like reading something that's right. like a body of work. Right. And we even, I remember discussing this in Graphic Lit that like some comics are more sort of uh, about the picture and the, and the, and the portrayal yeah. of something and it's sort of accentuated with words mm -hmm. uh, whereas some are like vice versa it's primarily yes. just the text and the dialogue yeah. and it's just sort of accentuated with pictures yeah. there's definitely, definitely a lot to take from that
like to talk to you about just publishing your work. Um, I feel like nowadays, fine art uh, is subjected to a lot of criticism in the educational department. Yeah. Um, I know personally, like, it was a big thing for me to tell my parents, I want to be a fine art major. Because, mm-hmm. I mean, and this is just sort of a rationale of a lot of people nowadays that, like, yeah, it may not be the most lucrative job market. Yeah. Um, but how, how do you feel about um, sharing your work and not seeing it as just like a vocational thing? Like, you're not just doing it to earn money. How do you feel about publishing your work? Uh, and how do you think that influences the way you try to share your work? Um, I think definitely I just try to get it out. Mm-hmm. out in the world mm-hmm. and on the internet on right. social media as much as I can um, basically my Instagram account I just post everything I make mm-hmm. I mean even it's kind of, if it's kind of like you know crappy yeah but I just want to share a, it a and doodle. see yeah just like might a work as well in progress. put that there see if anybody likes that yeah if, if a bunch <laughs> of people are like hey that looks cool maybe you can develop it into something more yeah that's what I kind of go off of I mean not that I'm like obsessed with getting the likes or right. followers right you're not seeking approval no it's more so just I just want it out just exactly. so people can see it because right. I feel like if you're selfish and keep all of your stuff to yourself mm-hmm. that's depriving the world of your work mm-hmm. that is potentially amazing yeah and depriving the world of things that might inspire other people to create something yeah just as great because like as an artist I draw influence from everything like I see you know like an artist on Instagram that I follow and I'm mm-hmm. like oh that's really cool and then I like this other thing that this letterpress shop does right. so I'm like how could I take things like little bits and pieces of each of their stuff mm-hmm. and turn it into my own, you know, creation. Right. And I think that's really interesting, especially within, um, like, the internet, like, the social community Definitely. online. I think it's really important just to put yourself out there and, mm-hmm. you know, throw the throw the fishing line in the water and see what comes back to that's you. Certainly. That digital realm just provides for so much so much more discoverability yeah uh, and just so much more that you can just bring into your own little constellation of what you think artistry is yeah totally do you have any goals for yourself behind just sharing your work um, maybe just something as simple as like uh, I would like to be appreciated by some local artist or just I would like other people to I don't know maybe represent my work in a way yeah like, would you like to see your paintings hung on other people's walls in their houses? Yeah, I think that there's a lot of things that I would like. Definitely. I think there's a lot of goals that all artists kind of share. Mm-hmm. They want people to buy their work, not mm-hmm. necessarily for the money, because mm-hmm. really making art, for me anyway, it's not about the money, because right. I've been making art for the past, like, 20 years right. of my life, <laughs> and yeah. I haven't made any money from it. Right. It's so, more so just you want to know that it has value to someone else. Yeah. I and money just seems like an easy way to gauge that. Yeah. I mean, it's it's nice to have money and to earn money, because I couldn't see myself doing anything mm-hmm. other than art, so right. I'm trying to be good enough exactly. that I can make money from mm-hmm. it. You know. And at this point, you're just you're just trying to share it to see what value it does have. Yeah. And that's just going to help you improve to the point. Maybe, I don't know, maybe selling your work would be the primary thing you do. Yeah, I think so. I think that's what we're all trying to do.
Do you have any advice for aspiring artists, maybe somebody in the fine art major uh, that's just like making art but doesn't really, isn't really conscious of the mm -hmm. outer community? Yeah, I think um, for like fine art majors, just keep going. Mm -hmm. Don't stop making stuff. Right. Even if someone, you know, if you have, you go into your class and there's like a really bad crit Mm -hmm. and the professor slams you mm -hmm. and all the stuff you did, which, I mean, mm -hmm. it's happened to everybody. Yeah. So it's like, you just have to move past it and mm -hmm. just, you know, pick yourself up, dust right. yourself off, and just keep cranking out work. Because Definitely. if you don't, you will not get better. Yeah. You will not succeed. Mm -hmm. That is the plain truth. Right. But You can't be too self-aware of all of the outside criticism. Yeah, you just have to, like, keep focusing mm -hmm. on you know your goals and what you want to do or mm -hmm. just your work but I also want to say um, for people that like to doodle in their notebooks mm -hmm. in class for people that like to you know just do anything art related and mm -hmm. they're not you know they're like a business major and they mm -hmm. think that you know, they're not going to make right, money like this doing should just art. be a hobby. Yes, know? this should be, you know, when I have free time, mm -hmm. you know, I could sketch a little bit. And oftentimes I feel like that just makes us resort to not doing it. Almost. Yeah, it's, it's like, like it's I feel like it's an excuse yeah. to say that this won't make money. Right. But I think that if you care that much about something, you should keep going and try because there's so many ways that you can, you know, make a living off of art. Definitely. Or just doing something art related, like mm -hmm. working in a gallery or a museum mm -hmm. or something so that you're close to art mm -hmm. and that you see it every day. Right. And I think that that's really important to Definitely. do, just that, to keep going. Yeah, and that yeah, just like puts you right in the community uh, of people. And if you're, yeah. I feel like if you're not putting yourself out in that community of people that all feel the same, that all feel like art is something that should be a little higher on the totem pole regarding all these social aspects, just like yeah. it helps uh, just believe in that. Yeah. Um, and when you're in a business setting, it's just more difficult because you're contemporaries. They're, they're sort of saying the same thing that like oh yeah art may be fun but you can't make any money off of it yeah there's nothing marketable of, about it yeah and it just really it's dejecting it puts you down mm -hmm. uh, and just makes that that aspect of expression which i think is also vital to the business world oh yeah it definitely puts it just in the closet i don't know just sort of yeah takes it, just it away kind of, yeah i think that working like in a community setting like, I have a studio at Market View Arts, mm -hmm. the building that York College recently purchased downtown mm -hmm. on Philadelphia Street. Mm -hmm. um, I think that that is such a vital, like, tool Sorry. that people don't realize, I think, because mm -hmm. if you're given studio space for free, one, that is amazing mm -hmm. because usually you have to pay tons of money for it. Mm -hmm. And then also just to work with people, like, I have so many new friends that I've made yeah. and that are such amazing artists mm -hmm. like Matt and Cody and Rebecca. I'm going to shout them out because they're amazing. Awesome. So everyone, please come down to Market View Arts on First Fridays. Absolutely. Come down because we do cool stuff and mm -hmm. we want to see you here and we want to show you our art and we want to talk about it with you. Yeah, we had our First Friday performance there actually last year. Uh, the last one of the season, uh, the York Review showed up 
and because of the rain, we were put inside Market View Arts, and I was astonished at just the space they had there. Yeah, it's amazing. Uh, I mean, you see the front of the building, you think, oh, this is a nice little art Yeah, like house. a gallery. Right, and then you go in, you just like walk around the corner, oh my God, it's just endless, just sort yeah, of. Yeah, just studio space yeah, exactly. and resources, mm -hmm. and we have, you know, awesome time, yeah, like doing awesome stuff. Yeah, people that yeah. are just really just making that environment just exactly what it, what it was planning on being yeah. to begin with. Totally. I think that is a good place to end. Okay. We'd like to thank you, Ivy, for yeah. coming on to the Rough Draft Podcast yeah, show. And that's that. Uh, thank you again, Ivy. She has a lot of great advice for aspiring artists out there. But moving forward, uh, we have a lot of things coming up. We have another first Friday to look forward to in November. We have lots of writing workshops scheduled with Sigma Tau Delta. So all you writing majors and just everybody, just get your butts down to Hume 11. Uh, we would love to workshop your pieces to get them ready for submission to the York Review. Also, the Spartan newspaper. That's also an option from here on out. I mean, we know about it, so why are you questioning yourself? So if anyone wants to submit to the Spartan newspaper with opinion pieces or news or features or just any community event, um, also alumni and community members can also submit. You can see stories that were already, or you can see published stories on spartan.ycp.edu or you can email me to submit your stories, kjones42 at ycp.edu. And if you want to go see Chitty Chitty Bing Bing at the Belmont Theater, you can order your tickets at thebelmont.org. Heck yeah. <laughs> awesome. For next episode, we've got another co-host coming on board. I cannot unveil who it is. We also have another Community Spotlight interview featuring an artist on campus. There's just a lot to look forward to, so stay tuned. Keep an eye on the York Review. Like us on Facebook, Instagram. Follow us on Tumblr, Twitter, all those things. And I think that's that. Thank you again, Kendra, for co-hosting this episode of the Rough Draft Podcast Thanks show with us. Me. Certainly. Let's keep the ball rolling.
No.